Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Staten Islanders have reported feeling less safe in their home borough, and with the crime rate in 2023 higher than it's been in more than 20 years, they may be right to feel that way. We thought of about 20 questions or so that users could respond to about everything ranging to how they feel about safety, how they feel about transportation, and uh, how they feel about different homeless crisis and the migrant crisis here on Staten Island. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance breaking news reporter Shana McLawrence to discuss borough residents' feelings on crime and the efforts being taken to bolster public safety. Thanks for joining me today, Shana. Last time we had you on, we were talking about the surge in youth violence, and then today we're talking about rising crime rates. It's not exactly all sunshine and rainbows with your coverage. I often joke with our colleague Shane that he always gets all of the really fun assignments, and it feels like in some ways you are getting kind of the opposite of that. So how does it feel covering all this stuff, Data? Does it ever start to weigh on you? Um, yes, it. of course, with any person that has a heart still intact. Uh, yes, sometimes it can start to weigh on me, but the thing that helps me get through it is that I know Islanders really truly appreciate it. And also I, I love being able to give a voice to the aphonic uh, and those who unfortunately can't speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Super important work. And just it can wear on you. It can be a little difficult, but it's so important to the community, to the families that it impacts. And so you've been doing a great job on it. And one of the things I want to talk about today is this ongoing series that you've been working on, right, where we put out this survey. I'm actually exactly sure on the timing of when it was released, but we're basically asking Staten Islanders, how do you feel about the state of the borough in terms of crime, public safety, all of that sort of thing? And so I was curious, what sparked the idea for this series? Because in the past, we'll do things, we'll put out articles. Oh, if at the bottom of an article, if you've been impacted by whatever it is we're writing about, reach out to us. We're kind of polling the community and trying to get a feel for it. So can you tell me a little bit about the idea, how this got started? Last year, it is no secret that we saw a spike in crime throughout the boroughs. As news reporters, we were definitely concerned. And then after the youth violence uh, started to escalate, we were even more concerned and questioned, how can we get the opinions and beliefs of Staten Islanders and get it out there so that readers can know what each other thinks amid these spikes in the seven types of crimes that are the most serious. Yeah, and I know we're definitely going to discuss that later in terms of those major crimes and the, the rising rates that we've seen here on Staten Island. But I'm just a little curious in terms of what the process was like in terms of making this survey and, and how did you decide which kind of questions were relevant and what you wanted to include, how to order them, and just if you can bring us a little behind the scenes of this process for you. This was a very big project. It definitely was not just me. It was from the top of the chain to, to me <laughs> who uh, helped 
crashed these questions. We held several meetings. We thought of about 20 questions or so that users could respond to about everything ranging to how they feel about safety, how they feel about transportation, and uh, how they feel about different homeless crisis and the migrant crisis here on Staten Island. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier the kind of the importance of getting the feel of the community and how they are reacting and, and feeling while living through this spike in crime that we're seeing here. And in the past, you know, when our website used to have a comment section, it would be littered with comments of that kind of thing, right? Anytime there was a breaking news story or a crime story, we would see it. Since we've removed those comment sections, we're not really hearing as much directly from our readers, although obviously we still have post our content on Facebook and other social media platforms where people comment. And so there is still a little bit of that, but we're not always getting the same amount of direct feedback to these stories that we may have in the past. So I think that this was a really smart way for us to kind of gauge that. And so I'm curious what the response was like, how many people ended up answering you? And was it more than we expected, less than we expected about, right? So I would say, of course, we go into things not really expecting anything, but really just hopeful mm -hmm. that viewers and readers will care enough to fill out the survey and give their opinions because that's the number one thing that we really do care about here at the Staten Island Advance. We want to hear from you guys. I want to talk to you guys and get your opinions about different stories. And if you feel like you know something, speak up and become a voice in the community and become a source because that is very much needed and one of the most important parts of getting a story to publication. Right. And so how many responses did you end up getting? So we got uh, around a thousand responses. So we were ecstatic and really excited about that. I think it's great that we got so many responses there because it's such a great idea for a series, right? We take how the people feel about what's going on and then we look at what the numbers actually say and is there a match? Are they justified in feeling this way? Or in some cases, people say, we see this with the MTA sometimes where people say the subway feels less safe and then the MTA will say, well, crime's actually down on the subway. And then they say, well, perception is reality. And so it ends up being this whole kind of back and forth. So I think it was a great project in general, but then the fact that we were able to get that many responses, I think was helpful because if 50 people answered us, that's not really a significant enough sample size for us to, exactly. to really glean anything from or to use that. It would feel a little disingenuous to say, well, this is how Staten Islanders are feeling if it's only you know a handful or a couple dozen people. But the fact that we were able to reach that number, I think, gives us a level of significance here. And it really gives you a bit more insight into how people are viewing things in the borough. Yes, definitely. It gives us such great insight. We were able to sort the survey answers by zip code, there are some stories that we've written about crime and car thefts and which areas North Shore or South Shore or the Mid-Island are most concerned about different particular types of crime. So mm -hmm. that survey has really given us great insight into how people in the 1223 precinct area feel uh, versus people in the 121 precinct area. And in case you might not know, the precinct lines, that's just basically saying North Shore versus South Shore. Right. And so I want to talk a little bit about what it was like getting all of those responses and then needing to comb through that data, try to identify any types of significant trends. Because as you know, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I've moved into a more data-centric role. We've been trying to get more of our reporters involved in data journalism. 
and what we can gain from looking at those numbers and how we can then humanize it and make it relevant to our readers and pertinent to them. And so I was just curious for you, I imagine you probably spent hours looking through this stuff and trying to make heads or tails of it. So what was that like? Yes, I, I still spend hours <laughs> <laughs> going through the data and making heads of tails of it. Um, at first, it was overwhelming. And it was great that it was a little bit overwhelming for me as a writer, because that means that we got a really a lot of honest survey results. It kind of skewed in the direction that the crimes were trending mm -hmm. in as well. So readers gave their full, honest opinions. And really, just with anything that can be big, we funnel it to make it smaller. So the way that I started to go through the survey responses was it's just a question at a time or even splitting a question into two and getting even more demographic data such as gender or even race or whatever have you. Because although it was an anonymous survey, so I personally have no idea you know, we could be walking down the street and I'm not going to recognize you. <laughs> hey, you survey. said that you feel less safe on the bus. Yeah, no, no, it, it definitely was not like that. So our survey did not really track anybody um, like that. If you were open and if you were willing to participate in the future, you can mark that a reporter can follow up with you on the survey. So for anybody that I've reached out to, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm curious which responses stood out to you the most, which I imagine correlates with what are some of the first stories. And, you know, you mentioned this, you're still going through this data, you still have other installments of this coming out. But what were some of the first things that we decided to tackle out of this? Well, I'll be honest, the thing that surprised me the most is, and it should have really surprised me to be honest, but it was the passion in which Staten Islanders care about what is happening on the borough and how they want to make the community a better place. And these are the small things that we can do. You know, you might not feel like your voice means anything, but filling out a survey, that has already done a tremendous amount as far as reporting on the crime and viewing crime perceptions and letting people really understand and marinate on the data. So that is, I think, the thing that surprised me the most is that I'm a writer and I was getting paragraphs of of feedback and it was much needed feedback so that we can make the correlation and say, look, this is where the figures are up right now in CompStat, the NYPD database for tracking the seven major types of crimes that happen in New York City. And then this is also how residents of the borough feel. So I think that was the most surprising part was just getting all of that clear <laughs> and great feedback. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. One that really jumped out to me is that the overwhelming majority of people who responded said that they felt 
as though Staten Island is less safe now than it was in years past. I think specifically the metric we used was prior to the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So before 2020, and it was nearly 90% of people who had felt that way. And so did that surprise you? Is that kind of to be expected given what we've seen in terms of the actual crime rates rising alongside it? Or, I mean, 90%, I think it's 89% to be clear. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's just a huge number. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It correlated. You know, it it wasn't really a shocker per se, because just going back and you looking at the historical crime data given to us by the NYPD, you can see where crime has started to rise. And it correlated with the fear that Staten Islanders started to feel after the 2020 pandemic. But rest assured, this month's crime numbers just dropped from the NYPD. When I say this month, I mean January's. Right. Uh, not February. It's just a couple of days and we don't have that stuff yet. But there has already been a decline in the crime that is happening. So we're coming into the new year on a strong start of less crime. Which is always, always great to hear. Although I will couch it a bit with the fact that we tend to historically see lower levels of crimes during these colder weather months. And then as I'm sure you noticed in your data, once you get into June, July, August, those numbers tend to skyrocket, particularly in terms of violent crime. And so while it is encouraging that the numbers are a little bit down for now, let's hope that they will stay that way. And then The other thing I was curious about in terms of how people are feeling in terms of public safety is you were able to kind of break it out into by zip code, by shore, by gender, by whatever it might be. Were there any big differences in terms of people in this area actually say that things are fine and then people over here seem to be more concerned about this type of thing and people here turn to be more concerned about that. And so was there anything big that jumped out to you in terms of differences based on demographics or location or anything like that? There was really no big difference as far as like demographic goes. The biggest thing that jumped out to me as far as people being concerned about different crimes on different parts of the island is that overwhelmingly residents on the South Shore were more concerned about Grand Theft Auto than residents on the North Shore. So that gives us kind of a starting point to examine that a little bit deeper, hit the streets and get the bootstrapping and start talking to people on the South Shore and people on the North Shore and just form a hypothesis as to, you know, why this might be occurring. That is very interesting. And so I'm also curious, you mentioned this early on about how we had a field on the survey that said, hey, if you are interested in actually talking to us about this, not just completing the survey, but actually sharing your experience a little bit or your reasoning for your answers, then, you know, you can reach out to us. And so I was curious how many people have agreed to talk to you of that, say, thousand responses that we've received and what have they been saying? Out of the thousand responses, there have been about 90 people who indicated on their survey responses that they would be willing to follow up later with a reporter. However, out of those about 90 people, maybe I have been able to get into contact with about 20 or so. So well, still not a bad number, honestly. It's not. So <laughs> I would love 20 sources on my stories. Yeah, that is for sure. But, you know, if you're listening to this and if you want to reach out with an opinion, please just reach out to me at S-M-C-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E at SIAdvance.com and just shoot me an email. And um, I would appreciate that, too, because we could always use sources and use 
voices Mm -hmm. from the community. And I will definitely make sure your voice is heard. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, super important. But also just back to it. So the people who have gotten in touch with you or have been willing to follow up, what were they saying or what have you been hearing from them in terms of why they answered the way that they did? Some of them have had encounters, first-person encounters with, say, reckless drivers on the island, or they've been second-party witness to car thefts. So those are different things that started to kind of drive their perception. And some of them, it was fair. Some of them say, hey, you know what? This isn't really any different from any time other on the borough. When I was growing up, there was these types of things happening too. So some of them also are trying to extinguish the flame of worry and mm-hmm. uh, amongst their neighbors and say, look, look, we've we've been here. We've come back from it. We need to not start panicking so much. So that also I think it is really good to to get two different perspectives, because as journalists, that's what we seek out to try to tell two sides of the story. Yeah, of course. I know that you are not a native Staten Islander, so it might be a little more difficult for you to kind of speak to that change in mm-hmm. in perception over the years in the borough. But for me, I'm someone who was born and raised here, left for college, but then came back and been here ever since. To me, generally speaking, I wouldn't say that I feel any less safe, particularly in my day-to-day going around the borough. What I would say, though, which has been a little troubling and we've talked about in the past, and maybe not on the podcast, but offline, is this trend and spike in home invasion burglaries. That is something that I think for a lot of people is like, obviously, it's not like it's happening every day, but it's still weird that it's happened a couple times, right? Things like that, I think, are what's making people, obviously, car theft is a concern for people, but the home invasion stuff, especially we posted that one with the video a few months ago, I think things like that can be really scary to people because that is your home, right? That's where you're supposed to feel safe, where you're supposed to feel protected. And so I think in terms of that, that would be for me personally, but in terms of the other things, I wouldn't say that it feels much different to me personally in terms of of a threat level, but that leads me into my next point, which is we wanted to talk a little about this rising crime rates. And so I saw some of your reporting that Staten Island's seven major crimes are at a more than 20 year high. I think 2001 was the last time that we had this many instances of these seven major crimes, which you mentioned earlier, which are murder, rape, robbery, felony assault, grand larceny, grand larceny auto and burglary. So those are up, they're the highest that they've been in a in a very long time. And so I was hoping you could just talk to us a little bit about why those numbers are up and which crimes specifically are fueling that surge. All of the crimes, you know, are kind of fueling that surge, but also the home invasions, the burglaries, the grand theft autos. These are areas that NYPD has identified as issues throughout the city of New York, but also on Staten Island. So Chief Galata also initiated a task force during the last half of the year. I think maybe he began it in about the summertime to try to uh, stop the crime that is happening because unfortunately, and like with most things, it's all connected. So mm-hmm. the car thefts kind of go into the home invasions because they see a nice car outside your home. They want the keys. They say, you know what, we're going to break in. And then that's where the cycle begins. So Chief Galata made it his mission along with other agencies in the city and other precincts throughout the city and also New Jersey to stop these like home invasions and these car thefts because 
oftentimes, especially for Staten Island, to get here, we got to cross a bridge or three or take a ferry <laughs> or, you know, so that in itself helps. So we've seen the police actually do some work, like shutting down the Verrazano during a police, I don't want to say chase, but a police pursuit of a stolen vehicle. So it, it's work like that, that the NYPD officers are doing here on this borough that's helping to curb that crime that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And when you mentioned the retail burglaries, that also, to me, reminded me of some of the efforts being made at the legislative mm -hmm. level as well. I know Governor Kathy Hochul, when she had spoke during her State of the State address last month, cutting down on retail crime was a big, like one of the main talking points for her in many ways. And so she's looking to start task force across the state to look into that. I've spoken to our state senator, one of our state senators, Jessica Scarcella-Spanton, about legislation that she is pushing this year to try and enhance the protections for these retail workers so that if they are assaulted, it would be the same type of count as if you were to assault the bus driver or something else. So additional protections for these workers to make it safer for them and so that they can go harder after these people who are committing these crimes. And so it's it's something that's happening at the law enforcement level and the legislative level. Yep. And so there's just so much going on there. And I was wondering if there's anything else that you have heard in terms of conversations with either electeds or the NYPD, or I know District Attorney Michael McMahon is always very hot on this, or anything else kind of going on right now to try and slow down this surge in crime? Well, McMahon is always very vigilant and as far as trying to crack down on this crime, and he has been working hand in hand with the NYPD to prosecute people who are arrested and indicted for crime across the borough as well. And he also has been making efforts. One part of our survey, it does touch on drug use mm -hmm. per se as well. So he has made efforts also with an overdose task force to try to stop the drug on the island as well. Yeah. And so there are just so many different people working on this at so many different levels of government and law enforcement. And like you said, it really is an interconnected and, and collaborative effort in many ways to try and get anything done here. But before we go, I just wanted to see if you could tease a couple more stories or something that you might be working on now in terms of these survey data. Because like you said, there are so many questions and so many different ways to break down the data. And we've seen a bunch of them already, but I'm sure you've got quite a few more cooking. So is there anything else that people should kind of be on the lookout for on the site? Be on the lookout for us breaking down drivers on Staten Island and Islanders' perceptions of do we drive safe? Do we not drive safe? And what could possibly be done on either side to encourage people to drive safer and with a lot less road rage or, you know, get those license out of those people's hands who unfortunately run the stop signs, the lights, speed, do all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well. no, and that's something that I, I know all too well in my former role as the transportation reporter here. So I know all about the Staten Island drivers and I am one myself, but I like to think not in the way that some of the other people you see on the road are. But thank you so much for joining me today, Shana. It's great having you on as always and uh, keep up the great work. I'm really enjoying this series so far. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to just before we wrap this up, I just wanted to also emphasize that although crime has spiked there, it has been proven by the NYPD through arrest records and data collection like that, that is a very small number of people who are committing any of these crimes on the island. So I don't think that somebody should be 
going out their house, fearing their, you know, neighbor, neighbor or yeah. anything like that. Because oftentimes people who are picked up for these crimes, they're repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, and thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.